Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the sovereignty of God as we pick up in Jeremiah chapter 27, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Jeremiah goes on to declare that in the beginning, he's speaking this to the king Zedekiah, in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, came this word unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord to me, Make thee bonds and yokes and put them on thy neck. So Jeremiah made this wooden yoke, and he put it over his neck, a yoke like they put over an ox. And uh, it was a sign of servitude. And so he put this yoke over his neck and walked around every place he went. Here he had this old yoke over his neck. And people say, what in the world do you got on your neck there? What is that yoke? What are you wearing that thing for? He said, so is the Lord going to bring Israel into bondage because of their iniquities. God's going to lead us into captivity because of our sin. And so it was, it was something that sparked a question in the minds of the people, but gave to Jeremiah the opportunity to share with them the word of the Lord. Now he said, make, so he made a bunch of these little yokes, one that he put on his own neck, but others that he sent to the various kings that surrounded Judah. Now, at this particular time, they were preparing to rebel against Babylon. And they were planning a confederacy that they might get Edom and Moab and the king of Tyre and Sidon, that they might all join together against Babylon in hopes of breaking the yoke of Babylon from them. And so God says, now make a little yoke for each of these kings and send it to them with a message. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm. And I've given it unto whom it seemed Right unto me. Now, God is here declaring his sovereignty, really, over his creation. I've created the earth, I've created man, I've created kingdoms, and I've set upon the kingdoms those whom I will, those who seem good to me. Now, it is interesting that at this point, the Babylonian kingdom had arisen to world dominance. It was the world-dominating empire. And Nebuchadnezzar, who God had placed upon the throne of Babylon, was boasting of the greatness of the Babylonian kingdom. Is this not the great Babylon, he said, that I have built? And a voice came from heaven and said, The watchers have been watching you, boy. And you're in big trouble. And so he came to Daniel. He says, what's it mean? He says, look, you walk carefully. You are in big trouble. Don't let your heart be lifted up with pride. 
but walk softly before God. You see, he had had this dream. He had seen in the dream this great image. Daniel interpreted the dream as to represent the kingdoms that would rule over the earth. You, Nebuchadnezzar, are the head of gold, but your kingdom is going to fall to an inferior kingdom, the chest of silver, the meat of Persian, which will fall to the Grecian Empire, the stomach of brass, which will fall to the Roman Empire, and the feet of iron and clay with the ten toes. Now, Nebuchadnezzar made a proclamation, be it known there's no God in all the earth like the God of Daniel who is able to reveal dreams and all this kind of stuff. And then he turns right around and defies the dream. For he had built in the plains of Dura a huge image, 90 feet tall, of all gold. This was a statement of Nebuchadnezzar. The statement is, the Babylonian kingdom will never fall. It's not going to be replaced by the chest of silver and by the stomach of brass and legs of iron. Babylon will live forever. And he ordered that at the sound of the music, everybody bow down and worship this image that he had set up in the plains of Dura to dedicate themselves to this concept. Babylon will last forever. So he is defying the plain revelation of God. And so you know the story of the three Hebrew children who refused to bow and were cast in the burning fiery furnace without any harm. Now, after the, they came out of the fire, he said, there's no God in, you know, I, Nebuchadnezzar make a proclamation, there's no God in all the earth like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who's able to deliver from the burning fiery furnace. But then he was still filled with pride. Is this not the great Babylon that I have made? And of course, then the angel speaks to him and tells him, hey, the watchers have been watching you. The watchers from heaven. Boy, did you know that there's watchers of heaven watching you? And so he, he was in great fear. And for a year, he walked carefully. He was very careful. But after a year, he was walking through his gardens. And looking at these beautiful hanging gardens, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Is this not the great Babylon that I have built? And the voice said, that's it. You've had it. Powell, you know. <laughs> Something snapped. He went insane. He began to go out in the fields and eat grass with the oxen. He lived like a wild man. His hair grew like feathers and his nails like claws. And he had a period of insanity for seven seasons until he would acknowledge that the God of heaven rules and reigns over the kingdoms of men and sets on the thrones those whom he will. He was brought to the acknowledgement God reigns. He came out of this period of insanity, and I, Nebuchadnezzar, make a proclamation. No God in all the earth like the God of heaven who establishes the kingdoms who he desires and sets upon the thrones those whom he would. And those he will exalt, he can exalt. And those he can bring, wants to bring down, he can bring down. And I command that all men worship this God. Now, he came to this acknowledgement. It is interesting that here in Jeremiah, we have the very same thing. 
that is being declared that God gives in authority those whom he would. He raises up the powers that he would. And so God has raised up Babylon. So it is foolish for you little kings to think of rebelling against Babylon. God has raised it up as his instrument. God has raised up the Babylonian kingdom. And now God says, I have given all of these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. I've done it. God is the one that raised up Nebuchadnezzar. God is the one that set him on the throne. Nebuchadnezzar came to realize this in time. But here we find the same acknowledgement in the book of Jeremiah before the experience that Nebuchadnezzar had recorded in the book of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, and the beasts of the field have I given also to serve him. And all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son. Interesting. He goes down to his grandson and his grandson was Belshazzar. And it was during the time of Belshazzar's reign that the kingdom of Babylon fell to the Medo-Persian Empire. So God carried it. His son, Nebuchadnezzar, took over after him and then his grandson, Belshazzar. And during his reign, Babylon fell. So I give it to him and to his son and to his son's son. And here God accurately predicts really the time of the Babylonian fall. Until the very time of his land come, and then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him. So a multiplicity of nations, the Medes and the Persians, will join together and destroy him. And so here's interesting prophecy long before the actual fact took place. And it shall come to pass that the nation and kingdom which will not serve the same Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and that will not put their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation will I punish, saith the Lord, with the sword and with famine, with the pestilence, until I have consumed them by his hand. So if you seek to rebel, then you'll be destroyed. God said, I'm the one that has set this fellow up. I'm the one that's given him the kingdom. I'm the one that's given him your kingdoms. And if you fight against it, you're only going to be destroyed. And that is so true. Fighting against the will or the work of God only destroys you. Therefore, hearken not to your prophets, nor to your diviners, nor to your dreamers, nor to your enchanters, nor to your sorcerers, which speak unto you, saying, you will not serve the king of Babylon. Don't listen to these men. For they prophesy a lie unto you to remove you far from your land that you, I should drive you out and that you should perish. But the nations that bring their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, those will I let remain still in their own land, saith the Lord, and they shall till it and dwell therein. Now you'll just submit then you won't be carried off captive. You'll be able to remain right in your land. You won't be destroyed, but you can stay right where you are and, and farm your own ground and all. All you'll have to do is pay tribute to him, but I've given all of you to serve him now. And so it was. 
because Judah sought to fight against him, Judah was destroyed and carried away Babylon. Whereas these other kings who hearkened to the voice of Jeremiah in submitting to Babylon were able to remain in their own lands until their own territory. So he said, Jeremiah speaking, So I spoke also to Zedekiah the king of Judah, according to all of these words, saying, Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live. Just surrender. Don't try to fight. Don't rebel. Just surrender to him and live. For why will ye die? You and your people by the sword and by famine and by pestilence as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon. Therefore hearken not unto the words of the prophets that speak unto you saying, you will not serve the king of Babylon for they are prophesying a lie unto you. Now we will be coming to Habakkuk a while later down the road, another prophet. Habakkuk was prophesying in about this same period as was Jeremiah. And Habakkuk begins his little book by praying unto the Lord. And he says, oh, Lord, please don't show me anything else. I can't take it. God, this whole system is going down the tubes and you're not doing anything about it. There's all kinds of corruption in government. There are all kinds of bribery and, and evil men are reigning. And God, things are getting worse. And, and please, I would just rather not even have an insight into what's going on. Because I can't take it anymore, Lord, to see all of these things happening and you're not doing anything about it. And God said to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I am doing something about it. But if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe me. Habakkuk said, well, try me, Lord. <laughs> and the Lord said, I'm preparing the king of Babylon, and he is going to come with his bands, and he's going to take this land captive. God, you can't do that. We're evil, sure, I, I, I recognize that. But man, they're even worse than we are. Now, why would you use a nation that is worse than we are to punish us? God said, I told you you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> but Habakkuk's problem was, was the method that God was going to use to bring judgment by using another nation that was even more evil than they were. But God used them as his instrument of judgment. You say, well, that doesn't sound quite right that God would use a more evil nation you see, knowledge brings responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. To sin against knowledge is worse than to sin in ignorance. To him that knoweth to do right and does it not, that's sin. He that knew the will of God and yet did not the will of God will be beaten with many stripes, yet he who did things that were worthy of many stripes because he did not know the will of the master will be beaten with few, for unto whom much is given, much is required. And God in the past has used wicked nations as a, 
instrument of judgment against his people who have turned their back upon God. So Jeremiah brought the message in order that the people might turn to God, in order that God might breathe a sigh of relief and say, all right, don't have to destroy them. Jeremiah was warning the nation Israel. Conditions existed then in Israel that can exist today in the United States, and there is such a parallel here. Israel was known as God's nation, the people of God, but they had turned from God. They were filled with immorality. The priests and the prophets were false shepherds, and they were leading the people astray. They were bringing the messages of comfort, and they were ridiculing the prophets of God who were warning the people of the judgment that was to come. And they were saying, oh, they're just a bunch of doomsday prophets and making light and fun of the issues. So he spoke to Zedekiah, and he said, hearken not to those prophets, saying that you're not going to serve the king of Babylon because that's a lie. I have not sent them, saith the Lord, verse 15, chapter 27. Yet they are prophesying a lie in my name that I might drive you out and that you might perish, you and the prophets that prophesy unto you. Also I spoke to the priest and to all this people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, hearken not to the words of your prophets that are prophesying unto you, saying, Behold, the vessel of the Lord's house shall shortly be brought again from Babylon, for they are prophesying a lie. These prophets are going around saying, Thus saith the Lord. All the vessels that Nebuchadnezzar took, the golden vessels, they're soon going to be brought back. They'll be sitting here in place again. Thus saith the Lord. And And Jeremiah says, Don't listen to that. That's a lie. Hearken not unto them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. For why should this city be destroyed? But if they are true prophets and the word of the Lord is with them, then let them now make intercession unto the Lord of hosts, that the vessels which are left here in the house of God and in the house of the king of Judah and in Jerusalem are not also carried away to Babylon. For thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the pillars and concerning this brass sea, uh, that was made by Solomon that set there uh, the, the big uh, brass sea that was on the 12 oxen and so forth where the priest bathes, and concerning the bases and concerning the remaining of the vessels that are in this city, which Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, did not take when he carried away captive Jochaniah, the son of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah from Jerusalem to Babylon, and all of the nobles of Jerusalem, yes, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that are remaining in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and Jerusalem, they also will be carried to Babylon, and there they shall be until the day that I visit them, saith the Lord, and then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. So, hey, the the false prophets are coming along and saying, oh, the vessels will soon be brought back. He said, that's a lie. The vessels that are here, those that haven't been taken away, will soon be taken away. They'll be taken away also. You know, don't, don't believe their lies. If they're really prophets, let them intercede that the rest that hasn't been taken away won't be carried away. Well, when Nebuchadnezzar came back, it was proved that Jeremiah was the true prophet. He took 
the brass, the, the pillars, and, and all of the rest of the valuables that were left in the city and carried them away captive to Babylon. They did not return until the time of Nehemiah, who received orders from the king, Artaxerxes, to come back and restore and rebuild. And Ezra, during that period, uh, they brought back the treasures. And the king says, now take back all these treasures to the house of your Lord. And Ezra was embarrassed because, man, he had so much gold and silver and, and, and precious metals that he was fearful because the area the, between there and Jerusalem was full of bandits and everything else. And we've got all this treasure. But he was embarrassed to, to ask the king for a guard of soldiers to go with him because he'd been telling them how great his God was. Now the God that we serve, he you know, rules everything. And now he's really in a pickle because uh, he's got all of this vast treasure and he's, he's worried now about getting it back there safely after he'd been bragging about God so much. But he said, we put our trust in the Lord and we started out. And of course, the Lord brought them safely. verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Jeremiah in our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Jeremiah 27 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, bless you, give you a good week, and may you begin to see fruit from the seed that has been sown in your heart. As God begins to take the Word and use it just as a life-changing power, may the Word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly by faith, and may the Lord touch your life with His touch of love and strength In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I'd like to tell you about a book written by Chuck Smith entitled Living Water. In this book, Pastor Chuck explains how God has the power to change your life through His Holy Spirit. This book will help you to understand how the Holy Spirit works in your life, covering such topics as who is the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do, 
What are the gifts of the Spirit and how should I respond? It's Pastor Chuck's desire that by God's grace and through this book, the Lord will develop in you a hunger and thirst for the things after the Spirit that will help you come into a deeper and personal relationship with Him, transforming your life. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Living Water by Chuck Smith. Or if you'd like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD. That's 800-272-9673.